Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We've just a week to go now before we're live on stage with the new show, Cocaine Cowboys. Final tickets on sale from mcd.ie, our venues. He was painting the image of a violent, albeit a helpless kind of victim of drug use, you know, yeah. or whether or not it was a matter of him being high in his own supply, but it was put forward in court in mitigation that, that the five grand's worth of cocaine found in his house was actually, he was holding on to it for someone to pay off a debt. Either way, it's a fall from grace for a guy that was, you know, somehow seen as the anointed kind of uh, senior figure in the gang. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The fate of Limerick's mobsters are being left more and more in the hands of the court as police crackdowns on money launderers, hit teams and even debt collectors continue. Today, I'm talking with Eamon Dillon about the jailing of two Larrys, about the dramatic plea changes and about one senior drug dealer who'd a lucky day in the Court of Criminal Appeal. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. We're broadcasting today, Monday, and this guy, Red Larry McCarthy, is due for sentencing, but it's for something which feels like such a fall from, if you'd call it grace, for him. When you think about it, it happened, like he's he's charged in connection with the attempted murder of... um, Christy Keane back in 2015. And that was kind of the last, I suppose, really obvious uh, feud uh, violence that we, that, you know, that dogged Limerick all, all through the, the 2000s. And this, this is very much, it seems to have been that this thing in the, in the tail, he was shot four times outside um, university, uh, uh, sorry, the University of Limerick and was lucky to escape. His fitness kind of pretty much helped him as he sprinted yeah, away. Bit of a viper. And, yeah, and, and got back to full fitness. I, I remember we photographed him, I think, within about four or five weeks after it, back at, back at home, coming out of home and he was walking fine. There wasn't a problem, despite all the exaggerated rumours at the time that his various body parts had been left at the scene and right, so on. And right. none, none of that turned out to be true. 
But um, yeah, so I mean, Larry McCarthy was charged in connection with this, um, and 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 it's it's it's, it's to do with uh, making a car available to people who carried out the shooting, like the people who actually pulled the trigger or carried out the shooting, or those believed to have actually ordered it aren't on trial for that. Yeah. Um, so there was one other man already. Well, there was two other sentences, but one of them, Noel Price, uh, got six and a half years. Uh, and again, it was a similar charge. It was making a car available to the people involved in the shooting. Serious sort of a trusted role, though, nonetheless. Yeah, of, course, of course Very it senior is. player. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you think about it, like, I mean, it is an attempt on the life of one of the top dogs. Um, what might have come from that, you know, has to be <laughs> taken yeah. into account, yeah. I think, as well. But like, he, he was he was due for trial last October. It was going to last 10 weeks. There was something like uh, 101 witnesses going to be called. Like it looked like he was going to fight a tooth and nail. And then all of a sudden just turned, you know, it has to be rearranged and thanked his legal team and pleaded guilty mm-hmm. to, to, to this particular charge. So, And in relation to the, you know, the threat to the woman over a 20 euro debt. Oh, this is a separate thing. This is John or Larry Tui. So you have this is a separate one. So yeah. I'm mixed up now. So many Larrys. Sorry. Slightly. Yeah. This is me. this is a cousin Larry. Tui. Okay. Okay. And and we ran a story this week about young Larry Tui when Red Larry McCarthy got out of jail in the UK. Now he missed most of the underworld feuding in Limerick at the time because he was safely locked up in the UK where he'd been caught on uh, weapons charges, literally red-handed in what was a flat that was described as a supermarket for guns. So he got out in about 2011, and at the time we reported. Well, shortly after that we. Reported reported how uh, his, his first cousin, also called Larry McCarthy, had a, had a son called Larry Tui. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, and Larry, young, no one could blame me young, young Larry, well, not at all, no, of course not, <laughs> you know, but um, we do need to get it right. <laughs> Don't want to be mixing your Larrys. No one could blame me except the lawyers. <laughs> yes, afterwards. But anyway, look, Larry Tui was, was supposedly this young protege, this young gun, and there was a picture of him that we had, at, I think it's up online on the sundayworld.com if anyone wants to look. And it looks like the two of them outside Clover Hill posing for a picture together. I'm not sure who they were visiting or whether someone got out at that stage. But um, you know, he 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 you know, he was coming up in in kind of unprintable stories about having, you know, been involved in various things. But there wasn't a whole lot about him, to be honest. Uh, you know, a couple of years after that, then there was kind of a fairly nasty fight on on um, uh, just off, uh, on a busy street, just off O'Connell Street in Limerick. And and he was seen in that video kind of not necessarily throwing any punches, but, you know, egging people on. Or he was, it was certainly people he was with and there was no attempt to kind of stop this violence going on in front of, you know, just ordinary people going about their daily business, going shopping, you know, people with kids and, you know, traffic trying to get through this melee that was happening. Um, so, you know, and he had a couple of other minor bits and pieces over the years, but then this week, um, or, or sorry, last week, um, he, he got a he got a serious enough jail sentence, um, and it was over five grand's worth of cocaine, and that was found in his in, in the house he was staying in at the time, and he was actually on bail then separately for making threats to a woman in which he put a huge uh, kitchen knife to her throat, and it was all over a twenty euro debt. So so much for being the the gangland um, protege, like you know, he's pretty that much is you know the sort of stuff that you hear. But you see, they, they that I suppose twenty euro. It's more about the debt, isn't it, rather than the value of it? And it's a message that's been sent to people that there is no credit with these gangs whatsoever. I, I think so, and and I think in in his case as well. Certainly, uh, I mean, what, what, he, what his lawyer was putting forward in Limerick Circuit Court recently was that, look, at this point in his life, he was living a very chaotic life. Um, he, he was addicted to drugs. 
Um, he was moving from place to place, and, yeah. you know, and it sounded like, you know, he was painting the image of, you know, a kind of a, a, a violent, you know, a, a, you know, a violent, albeit a helpless kind of victim of drug use, you know, yeah. or whether or not it was a matter of him being high in his own supply, but it was put forward in court in mitigation that, that the five grand's worth of cocaine found in his house was actually, he was holding on to it for someone to pay off a debt. The usual story that we all hear. So it's either way, it's a fall for, for a fall from grace for a guy that was, you know, somehow seen as the anointed kind of uh, senior figure in the gang. And that's something that would have happened to Red Larry himself. Mm. It was famously the story that his grandfather on, the, on his deathbed basically singled out Red Larry, his grandson, a very young man at the time, as going to be the, the next head of the clan when he passed away. And what was so. it about him that, was he the I, oldest? No, I, I think he was seen as the most capable or, you know, the, the person who was going, going forward was going to be, you know, they, they'd spotted Carried something the in him. Name. I mean, there was another person that we can't mention at the minute, um, they, they, you know, a, a member of, um, you know, the same wider, same wider clan. And we did stories about him from, you know, the age of 10 and 11, that there was people talking about, you know, in, in almost in awe and, and also in terror of this kind of prepossessed uh, then 12-year-old who has been taken on serious criminal jobs and been shown all the tricks of the trade and, you know, was able to instill fear and respect at that age that was uncanny and had, you know, and people almost, you know, assigning mythical sort of magical status to him that, you know, the future of the clan is in great hands because, you know, we have the the messy of the criminal underworld. So the- is that kind of a, a particular traveller thing? part of the culture to, you know, see, I suppose, those sort of mythical things that would have been believed back in the day, the seven sons and the various I mean, other... I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. It looks like it's just particular to this particular um, yeah. clan. And, and, and sometimes, you know, there can be a bit of myth-making deliberately to, to try and build up someone's reputation before yeah. they need to sort of really prove themselves. So it's a question of... of uh, you know, I don't know, like the gorillas fluffing up their their hair before they fight yeah, <laughs> to yeah, make themselves yeah. look bigger. Yeah. So there's a there was a bit of that, you know. So yeah. So the it seems that Limerick mobs and all of them are constantly in the news because there's constant uh, charges being brought against all of them, um, many of them leading to convictions, many of them, you know, are pleading guilty, so they're going straight into the prison system. You know, there's always a constant rotation of that. Obviously, the key players in the Dundon gang, the most dangerous of all, are still behind bars because they're serving life sentences. But it seems as if there is multi-pronged investigations against them in relation to violent disorder, in relation to money laundering and everything else besides. So they're not having a huge amount of good news at the moment. No, they're not. Um but there is a bit of good news. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> now, this, this is a guy that we, we spoke about before. Um, he'd be one of the kind of, I suppose, the, the, he'd be associated with the Rackiel traders, John O'Donoghue. And uh, he, he came up recently in the Bourne Motors, the Criminal Assets Bureau case. Um, and he, he was named, now we, we knew that he, he had previous convictions for importing or trying to do a drug deal of cannabis between the UK and uh, and Ireland. Uh, he was caught in, in by the, the National Crime Agency in the UK. He was caught in video. Uh, it was pretty much a sting operation. And he got a two-year suspended sentence for that. Um, so he was lucky enough not to spend time. But then more recently, um, just a couple of days before Christmas 21, it was down in Limerick Circuit Court where he got a 10-year sentence for a machete attack on a, an old man, one of the, the O'Driscolls. So there'd been a, a long history of bad blood 
between members of the O'Donoghue clan and the O'Driscoll clan. And it was said that John O'Donoghue had led this attack and the man had suffered serious injuries. But um, just last Friday week, uh, the Court of Appeal found that he, the, the guards had failed in, in not harvesting all the CCTV in the area and therefore uh, John O'Donoghue wasn't able to mount a proper defence. And so the conviction was quashed. Right. And uh, then I think it was, I think people started to gather outside Portlaoise Prison on Friday evening. They were getting excited, going to welcome their, their hero home. They had to wait. I think it wasn't until uh, like nearly six o'clock or well after five o'clock on Saturday. Like we went to press, unfortunately, saying that premature celebrations are breaking out, but he's due nice. at it any minute. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, they ended up uh, that night in, in a hotel in Rathkeel. They had a big party. Drinks were piled up on the bar, which is, you know, often the tradition there. You know, you're kind of, there's an open invitation. It went up on Facebook. John O'Donoghue is out. Everyone's invited. And there was great scenes of celebration. Lots of being lifted up on the shoulders, arms in the air. So they're, they're quite happy that he's he's out and about. I mean, I remember at the What's time. What's O'Donoghue's status? Is he a leader as such? Or? He was he was described in the affidavit um, from the Criminal Assets Bureau as uh, an international drug dealer, as a right. person involved in the importation of drugs. That They were the words used. Um, he he was specifically mentioned that being at a meeting with Christy Keane and Dermot Plum McManus in a pub in Rathkeel, that he was associated with Mike Nash from Newcastle West, who was also one of the principal figures behind Bourne Motors, uh, and that he, he was also a pal of, or an associate of Eds McCarthy. So he was a man who was actually... I think we described him at the time as like a board of governors, that he was one of these board of governors, you know, to some extent... Um, he was able to straddle both sides of the so-called divide between the feuding sides. So, I mean, on one hand, he's talking to, he's at a meeting with Christy Keane, and on the other hand, then he's been described by the Criminal Assets Bureau as an associate of Eds McCarthy. So here's a guy where, you know, people were happy to do business because it was about business. And, you know, and that was always his reputation in Ratkeel that he was, you know, he was a businessman and, you know, he he, he was able to, to make money and get things done. Uh, and Ratkeel is like, much more associated with the kind of the the roving gangs who were involved in the tarmac industry and various other scams. And, and of course, the, the Dead Zoo Gang. The Dead Zoo <laughs> Gang, the Rhino Horns and all those kind of much more intriguing crimes really than the, the, the basic drug dealing. But obviously that is embedded there too. Yeah, I mean, th there's a couple of individuals, and you know, and then by extension, members of their of their families, their their wider families, are involved in crime. I mean, it's it's you know, absolutely by no means are all travellers from Ratkeel involved in crime, and some of them do actually have legitimate businesses, and you know, and they they're still able to embrace you know the the aspirational traveller lifestyle of being on the road and making a few quid, and they're doing it they're doing it legitimately. You know, they're able to, like there's plenty of ways. Um, some of them doing it, and I believe some of them are involved in, you know, uh, garden furniture, that those kind of sales and the festivals like you have Bloom here in, in Ireland, like they happen all over the UK, all over Europe. So it's a great opportunity for entrepreneurs who want to be on the move to make a few quid. So, I mean, you know, unlike other people who might want to stay in a nice hotel or fly home at the weekends, they're happy to be on the road and on the move with their family together. Yeah. So, I mean, it actually, it's, it's, it's a perfect match of business and, and, you know, the, the traditional traveler lifestyle of being on the road. It's the real modern version of it. And they get over the language barrier, but unfortunately the same skills are used then by the people who are involved in the rhino horn scams, the people involved in, in, um, you know, other scams like selling, uh, uh, kind of uh, bogey electrical goods and designer goods. And I mean, every so often you'll, you'll see, 
you'll see them turn up somewhere. There'd be a police warning in some, you know, wild part of Norway or Iceland or, you know, in, in Provence in France where, you know, you can be driving a long time before you see a house and police are a warning about, you know, British or Irish people with English and Irish reg fans and, you know, strong accents, you know, trying to sell tarmac to to, to cover people's driveways, you know. So and we've seen them, we've seen them everywhere yeah. over the years. I mean, we've spoken about this before, the guys in Australia, like, you know, they've put up videos of themselves in places like Colombia and South Africa doing tarmacking. As regards to CCTV in this case, um, is there kind of warnings there for other, like, I mean, this is all about the preservation of the CCTV. Um, and I think it was Justice Tara Burns, who's now in the appeals court, who would have been on the special criminal court in the Regency trial. I, actually, there was it was a, it was the first time there was an all female. Uh, there's a three judge all female panel in, right. in, in the court of appeal in this case, and I believe it was the first time that there was an all female panel. Um, so I mean, maybe they have more exacting standards than their male counterparts, Nicola. They could, <laughs> but um, Justice Burns says it was the established duty of Guardi to seek out and preserve CCTV and quote, it seems to us that there were significant failings regarding the investigation into CCTV in this case and that a realistic prospect of a defence existed in relation to this missing CCTV. So this is all around the pres preservation of it and perhaps the collation of it. I mean, we hear more and more Guardi talking about that this CCTV collation and, you know, is, is a bloody nightmare for them. Oh, I'd say it is. And it's I, a nightmare. It, it, it's it, taken hundreds of, of Garda hours in order to keep every little piece of it. Yeah, well, in, in this case, um, O'Donoghue was able to prove that there was CCTV in the area. Uh, they had their own engineer do a survey and there was 30 cameras that weren't harvested. And there was also a woman who gave a statement that she told the guards they could come and look at the CCTV in her house and never came back. And that was the statement they got and was put forward in court. So it wasn't a, a matter of the guards just didn't turn up and, you know, yeah. or, or they were just claiming that they, the, they the guards didn't, didn't turn up. what they had. Yeah, they certainly, they, they went out of the way to show, look, there was this evidence. And obviously, you know, a private citizen can't go and get that evidence. You know, they'd be yeah. interfering if they did. So it, it is up to the guards to do it. Now, as you say, I mean, like this idea, I mean, there's a famous scene, I think it is in The Wire, where, you know, there's, there's two cops and they're looking through 40 hours of CCTV and they're trying to find out the moment a guy gets out the window of a house and they're looking at this basically a, a grey wall with a small window in it and a slightly darker grey line where the footpath is. Yeah. And uh, one of them, they, they switch over and they're being very careful. And then one of them accidentally touches his coffee and spills a tiny drop and looks away for a second and asks the second the burglar drops out of the window and walks away and he goes back to looking at the blank screen again. So they're going to miss it. But now they do have artificial intelligence that will do that. So the, you can basically put in a whole series of images and then you can, you can ask the AI to basically ignore all of that. So you only get to, you only have to look at the actual parts of, of the CCTV where something is changing, where something is moving. So, so what that, happens that, that if you're change. looking at a road? Because I mean, I was just thinking of that Regency trial and there was like, you know, there was hundreds of hours of CCTV taken from all over the city following these cars as they traveled about the place. Um, in a situation like that where you have a road and you're watching and you're just waiting for the car, does that AMPR kick in there? With Yeah, I mean, that's of course it would. Yeah, you'd program yeah. in your... You the know, reg. Your reg or the partial regs that you're looking for. Um, and, and they can do it with markings on, on vehicles. So what happens well. if the, the car is going at the side? You obviously won't be able to yeah, see. You won't necessarily get it, yeah. no. And that, that probably would take, you know, uh, someone to sit there and look and wait to see if there is, like they might say, right, we're, okay, we're looking for a black 
you know, four-door BMW. So somebody's going to have to kind of sit through when they think the the black BMW went past that area. Yeah. But I mean, the, the ANPR is, uh, do you remember, like, it's not just the guards that used it, that there was, if you remember, there was talk at the time that certain people in Crumlin um, linked to the burn gang. Uh, yeah. You know, if if any of our photographers' cars drove by, like, uh, yeah, that's it. They, they already had the reg. And I'm sure they were doing the same with, with uh, guard cars and undercover cars. They would have been collecting them and so I don't believe that's they, legal though for a householder is it no it's I, yeah. I, I wouldn't think so but I know it was but it's, I it's, was it's reading viable what I was reading was about the uh the Dublin riots and to get through them and that's such a complex investigation obviously but that the Gardaí have to go through 6,000 hours of CCTV as part of their investigation into the Dublin riots like if you even 40 hours for one human being to go through. How 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 long could you keep your concentration on that well, kind of... I imagine you do it in... Two hours In bite size. That you, you start... You, well, you start with, okay, we want to get this guy because and it's some mass guy who's seen smashing up the Lewis or setting fire to something. And then you, you kind of, you try and track him. And then someone else is assigned to another person and they go through them. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's going to be a crossover. But yeah, I mean, it is going to be painstaking. And I mean, no more than getting, which I'm sure they'll do in this case, they'll they'll see if they can trace people through their phones and through the social media. So yeah. all of that has to be collated. And then the well. timestamps, of course, have to be all correct or, you know, if certain... Or they have to prove that the timestamps are wrong. Exactly. Like, which is, exactly. is a regular thing, yeah. like, you know. But it just seems to come up more and more in, you know, while CCTV seems to be, you know, it's obviously a, a modern tool uh, for security and all the rest of it, but it just seems to cause more hours for policing than ever before in any sort of an investigation because of course people are on the move. Um, but so I just wonder now, will Mr. Donahue's uh, appeal cause further reflection for the Gardaí? Well, it's, it's certainly, I'm, I'm sure other people are going to be looking at it you know, if they have a, an, a possible appeal coming up. Although, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I'm not sure, like, uh, you know, I, I think it's a fairly unique set of circumstances by all accounts. Like, I mean, the gentleman involved was attacked um, like it was denied at the time. I mean, I, I was there for some of the court cases, some of the court cases, and you know, there's various kind of things put forward, like the injuries weren't as serious, and as as mentioned in various statements and all the rest, and you know, and there was conflicting evidence. But the jury at the time, you know, it, like it, it was a full trial, and the jury found him guilty. But again, you know, the jury only can can uh, I suppose decide on what's put in front of them, and that the decision in this case is that the whole case wasn't put in front of them, and and Judge Tara Burns and her colleagues effectively blamed the guards for not doing that. Now, did John O'Donoghue's party, it went ahead, obviously. It did, it did. And luckily enough, they, they were celebrating and there was lots of photos Posting and videos. Social and I was going to ask you that, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I had a quick look. Yeah, it was all very happy family situation. The ladies were wearing Welcome Home John O'Donoghue t-shirts. <laughs> um, you know, there was the, there was the age-old tradition in Raquel. I mean, that, that happens with the weddings and, and the engagement parties that, you know, the people more or less compete to show their, their show off their wealth. Um, and there'll be like a tray of shots or whatever bought for, you know, one particular person, whoever wants can imbibe away. So, I mean, it was, they were piled high on the counter for John O'Donoghue. There was, right. there was no holds barred. Like, I mean, there was all the tables were fully stocked with lots of soft drinks and I'm sure there was munchies yes, going to be supplied yes. as well. So I know there was a professional photographer hired. You could see him at work with his equipment there. Um, 
there was definitely a karaoke. Um, I'd say there's and, a video and there would, coming. And there was a right, I mean, look, in fairness, it was a big hoolie. Yeah, I mean, they were yeah. delighted with themselves and why wouldn't they be, you know? No I mean, there, there was genuine shock. Appeals, I remember it? there was genuine shock in the courtroom that day. Yeah. Um, I think it was December 20th, uh, 2021. Don't ask me why I remember that date. Um, but but they, were, they, were, they were absolutely stunned. They were like, you know, really couldn't believe he got a 10-year sentence. And to be honest, it was, I was thinking at the time, wow, I wasn't expecting that either. That was a, you know, it was a, a tough one yeah. at that stage. All right. Well, uh, Limerick, they have good luck and bad luck and everyone has a, a good day and bad, don't they? I certainly do, Nicola. Yeah. So do we. So do we, exactly. Okay, Eamon, thanks a million. Always a pleasure, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.